The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. podcast focusing on anthology horror starting with tales from the crypt i'm your least favorite camp counselor tish delano and i'm the other camp counselor lauren jewel <laughs> god you're the worst i Except am the really worst. not and it's so hard <laughs> terrible oh, Lordy. one day we're gonna have to take a poll of who's the least that sounds like a terrible yeah okay, just kidding don't do that more like I, I think eventually once people get to know us like who's most likely to to let a lip camp counselor die due to neglect i'm pretty yeah. sure it will be me which is why i am the least favorite camp counselor this is this is big ope energy major ope energy there, there's the reason i don't have children same we have animals they're yep. easier they're easier, but even then, man, like toddlers, man, you blink and they're just like, hey, was I supposed to be playing with knives right now? No, you're a cat. Why are you playing with a knife? Because it's a cat. Chaotic energy is what they are made out of. Pure chaotic energy. Oh, my God. So, hey. Hey. Guess what? What? We did a whole season. Yeah. Are you ready for season two? Listen. I'm psyched. So we made it to season one, and we didn't murder anyone, let alone each other. We're still friends. And I think that's a feat right there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying there won't be some couples counseling in our future, but it's fine right now. Good, uh, good. Yeah, we made it. Are you uh, you ready for some creeping? Oh, I am ready for some creeping through that crypt, if yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. You got any curiosities for me? I do. It's a little bit, it, it's a bit much. <laughs> I'm a bit much, so bring it. Hit me. Oh, good, Hit oh, me. good. This is a good team. <laughs> so what had happened was... I'm trying to do a creeperosity that goes with the episode. Mm -hmm. But when I watched this and took my notes like a few weeks ago, I was stuck on the dog. (laughs) So did you ever read Animal Farm by George Orwell? I read it many times and I own it. So there's a dog (laughs) in this episode named Trotsky. And like, I'm at least 73% positive that he's named after Leon Trotsky. So this is from the website Asking Lot. Trotsky is related to Snowball, who's the white pig in the cartoon, as (laughs) both of them are leaders that led the revolution against the old leader. Also, Trotsky and Snowball are similar because they both had a plan for their country and farm. Trotsky proposed the five-year plan and Snowball proposed the plan to build a windmill. Now, listen, I just wanted to know what Trotsky meant. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to look it up. This is a really cute dog. And that's how I ended up there. (laughs) That's one hell of a rabbit hole. It was. I really wanted to Marco Polo you that night and be like, I don't I don't really know how I ended up here, but I did. Oh, I do love a good rabbit hole. I, I want to say, I thought Trotsky's also some kind of like historical political yeah, figure. Yeah, that's Leon Trotsky. That's, oh, Yeah, okay. that's where this came from. Oh, okay. We're based off of Snowball, I or, guess. Oh, yeah, didn't Trotsky take like an axe to the head? Um, I didn't like, go in re- the, the real life Trotsky? We might have to look that up later. All right. Well, this, this was History Corner with Camp Creep. Uh, if you know the answer, you can leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, please. Please, someone give us the answer. We're dying to do our first corrections corner. Or you can email us at campcreeppodcast yeah. at gmail.com. I, I totally know that I'm, like, I'm thinking of something and it, there was like a play and I swear there was a character named Trotsky. You're not thinking of Lizzie Bordine's family, are you? <laughs> no. Because I know they took 40 wax. No, I, I swear that the, the, the character's name was Trotsky and it was based on like some historical figure who took an and it took an axe to the head and I don't know. Okay, that was <laughs> some community college rambling. So it's fine. Everything's fine. I don't have a, I don't have a curiosity, but I do have a fun fact. I'll take it because I do love a good fun fact. I found out while doing some research for this episode that we will find out the origin story of the Crypt Keeper in season two. I have never seen this. Like, I I didn't want to spoil it for myself, but I 
did like a quick reading of the synopsis and I was like, I've never seen this episode. I have no recollection of this because that is something my my brain would hold on to. I'm not going to like spoil anything for you, except I am going to say when we get to that episode. Yes. It's really precious. I am geeked. I am absolutely fucking psyched. And like I said, because it ties into something that uh, I want to talk about a little bit later. Oh, boy. As we dig a little bit in, have some theories. This is season two, episode one, Dead Right. So Dead Right is based off of the sixth issue of Shock Suspense Story. And here is your synopsis. Kathy Finch is not having a good time. She's always wanted to marry for money, but she hasn't met the right guy. After a visit to the fortune teller, Kathy follows her advice and soon gets married to a Mr. Charlie Marneau. But it's not all wedded bliss for our protagonist. Shenanigans ensue and everybody gets what they deserve. They really do in this one. Oh my god, it's perfect. I'm gonna ruin this right now. I'm letting you know. Yeah. This episode is getting two separate thumbs up from me. <laughs> Watching it earlier while I was making a very healthy dinner of popcorn uh-huh, yeah. and was like, nope, nope, this is probably my favorite episode in season two. For the record, my very healthy dinner was a bowl of frosted flakes. Look at so, us adulting. Right? I am adulting so well. <laughs> on to the show. Yes. So we open up on an extreme close-up of the Crypt Keeper's beautiful baby blues. Oh, I know. They're so lovely. I so love it dreamy. So dreamy. So the Crypt Keeper has apparently been playing in his costume closet, and today he's dressed up as a contemporary Western version of a Romani fortune teller. Yep. Isn't that precious? It's, uh... I don't think we should get into that. <laughs> so this leads me to my fan theory. Oh boy. So, is the Crypt Keeper a dead child? Like, I'm thinking along the lines of, like, Claudia from Interview with the Vampire, like, oh. you know, like, you know, like, forever in a child's body. Because, like, facts. He's always playing dress up. Mm-hmm. Facts. He's obsessed with telling fantastical stories. Okay, I see where you're going. Fact. He's so very small. Oh, he is so small. He's so small. Um... So I guess we'll find out <laughs> midway through the season what the Crypt Keeper's deal is. But my theory is dead kid. Dead kid. Dead child. All right. Because, uh, you know, I'm gonna, if I'm going to die on a hill, it's going to be a dark one. <laughs> That's true. Do you want me to tell you anything now? No, okay, no. I wait, totally wait. want to be surprised. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to watch that episode together. Yes. So yes. I can be like. I didn't do this thing, but here you go. <laughs> so we then open on Demi Moore looking fine mm. as hell. Mm, I wish I could pull can- off any of her looks in this I episode. Just, can we just, like, before we even get into, like, the synopsis of the story, can we just talk about how beautiful Demi Moore is? Like, So attractive. I mean, Jesus in general, Christ. like, but especially in this episode, she's got some really fierce outfits. At certain points, she's got some very sexy outfits. And she, I mean, I haven't seen her a lot in, in anything in a while, but last time I saw her, still a beautiful woman. And in the early 90s, because this would have been like probably filmed in 89, like, oh my God, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, you know, down on her knees saying, we're not worthy. <laughs> Another thing I like about her character, like, yes, the character Kathy is super attractive and she's not like a nice person. <laughs> no. But she is quick-witted as fuck. Yes, she's very sharp. Can we talk about how only Demi Moore could rock the babushka the way she does in this opening scene? Yes, 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 yes. I love a babushka. I'm like, I put that on and I look like an old Russian woman and like, here she is looking glam as hell. Like, Mm -hmm. all the snaps for Demi. Very old Hollywood glam is Miss Kathy Finch. I typed this on a computer, but my autocorrect in the program, I take my notes and kept changing Kathy to Cathay. Oh, okay. So (laughs) Cathay Finch walks in smoking a cigarette and walking down a sparse downtown area she knocks on the door of the fortune teller madam vorna and there's a dog yes dog krosky so kathy not Cathay, is pretty rude and just straight up tells madam vorna that she doesn't believe in psychics yeah it's just bullshit why are you there kathy and why are you there the 80s is not 20 bucks it's probably closer to like 30, 40. I found out this actually, because the whole time I thought it took place in the 80s and thought the fashion was just a little off. It takes place in the 50s. It's supposed to be the 50s. I was like, oh, I, it clicked when I looked, went back and like rewatched some scenes. I'm like, 
that's why that okay that it makes a lot more sense but they do nothing like they barely there's barely any hints that it is the 50s yeah i if you didn't just tell me that i would have thought it was just a normal episode yeah i like i just thought it like i was like oh neat there was a lot of 50s inspired fashion in the 80s so i just thought it was that they really didn't go over the top in trying to convey the period but yeah found that out through imdb Hmm. thank you internet right so quick question what's up do you believe in psychics i do all right so my last reading was some point last fall i believe with a friend of ours Mm -hmm. and i had written some things down like on a piece of paper and was like these are the things i want to talk about later but the way she had done it was she was like i'm gonna tell you what i think and then you can like we'll go from there yeah oh she was ridiculously spot on yeah i've had bad ones that were like i was like what planet are you on mm-hmm. and i've had a, f- a few a very, a very small handful that have been so eerie and the like and these are in the i'm talking about the days before social media that were so eerie one where i didn't even ask them the question i had it in my mind and they were able to answer that question for me oh boy they gave me the answer i didn't want to hear which was sadly turned out to be the correct oh, answer no. yep yep my, i've had a mix of both If you want a good recommendation, I would trust anybody at the Boston Tea Room in Ferndale. Excellent. Yes. They're all super sweet there, and I trust them. (laughs) Yes, I've had good experiences just there shopping. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I I can easily spend an hour there. In fact, (laughs) me and you have gone there, and I think we did. Yes. (laughs) Whoopsies. So, Madame Vorna straight up calls her ass out. Mm -hmm. She tells... I I love Madame Vorna. By the way, my favorite character in this entire thing. She's just fabulous. I love her. She calls her out for being a gold digger. And she doesn't say it with in like a shameful way. She's like, yeah, you're a gold, you're a gold digger and you're a secretary. Like, yeah, you're a working girl. Yep. And Kathy confirms like, yeah, she wants to be rich. She's never been rich before. So that's exactly what she wants to do with her life. And Madame Vorna says, you're not going to have a job by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You're going to get fired. And then you'll have a new job. But how can that be? The boss is out of town. And she storms the fuck out of there and calls her nuts because why would this random woman know anything about anything? It's not like it's her job to know. Right. And we know that Kathy's a bad person because Trotsky the dog attacks her foot. (laughs) Yes. So if a dog is telling you like this isn't a good person, listen to the dog. Right. Okay, but wait, what about it if a cat does? Um, Lego doesn't count. She's just a trollop. (laughs) Lego just hates everyone who isn't Lauren, so... It's true. She hates my friend Will that comes over. She hisses at both of you. Yeah, she does not like me. I think she just is a little overprotective. It's fine. It's fine. So as Kathy gets back to work and clocks in, we find out, one, that she was on her lunch break and that the whole reason she went and saw Madame Vorna is because she was preferred by a co-worker. And she starts ranting to the co-worker, which sounds something exactly like you and I would probably do. <laughs> yes. Which is a little unfortunate. And she calls the boss an asshole. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this poor co-worker that she's ranting to is giving her, please shut the fuck up, eyes. I can't tell you to shut the fuck up, but I really need you to. And the asshole in question is in the office. Womp. That was a relatable moment for me. Many times people have been giving me the shut up, shut up face. I'm like, what? Why are you making that face? Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you looking over there? Oh, God. <laughs> Why are you narrating this conversation? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. Yep. Been there, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Been there. So and- the <laughs> her boss tells her like, yep, this asshole came back early and he's acceptable of the name. He's like, yeah, that's fine. I get it. I'm not very nice. However, (laughs) he does care that she went over by her lunch hour by 25 minutes and he fires her. So providing an HR perspective of this moment. I love a good real life (laughs) moment here. Now, granted, I don't know what employment law looked like in the 50s, but I can say, you know, Cassie was a little bit abrasive. Yes. Yes, incredibly abrasive. So I can imagine there's probably been some issues. I doubt this was her first offense. You know, I like to go on a three-strike system. 
That's my personal. Mm-hmm. feel like that provides some legal cushion. But again, this was 50 and 50s and I don't think she had any rights. So, you know. <laughs> it's impressive that there's only two women in this office. Right. So Kathy's walking down the street and she encounters a man and a woman having an argument. Oh, yeah. They're totally butting heads. She's saying she's going to quit. And he's like, oh, darn. How dare you? I'll never find your replacement. And she's arguing more with him. And he sees Kathy walking down and he's like, hey, you, do you want a job? And she accepts the job on the spot. Now, the woman that just got fired slash quit, I would just like to comment on her outfit. It was so cute. So she's wearing like a, like a strapless bra top and like she had a cute little coat over it. And like she had a very like saucy outfit, which immediately made me go, what is this place? Yeah. <laughs> what is this place? that Kathy just accepted a job at randomly. Right, she doesn't know anything. And like, I know you already said this episode apparently takes place in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Her outfit was not 1950s. That was no. some 80s get up. Yes, very much. Which is why I was so confused. Like I said, the context of it being in the 50s made one of the upcoming scenes make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. But we will get to that. So then she goes back to Madame Vorna. And Kathy kind of apologizes about calling <laughs> her a fraud, but in a very roundabout kind of a way. I have known way too many Kathys in my life. Right. And yes, that is exactly how they quote unquote apologize. Are Kathys like Karen? Yeah, very close. Very close. Interesting. That strong, stern, bitchy, but like they get away with it because they're like, but I'm, but I'm sassy and strong. And you're like, there's a line between being a raging bitch and being strong, but okay. Right. And Madame Vorna just kind of goes with it. She's like, I knew this would happen because she knows everything. That is literally her job. She has one of my favorite quotes. Every exit is an entrance someplace else. Oh, that's deep. If I could get Mm -hmm. that made into one of those motivational posters, oh, I'm going to do it. That might have to be my next Photoshop project. You should get that like tattooed on yourself. I'll get it right on my forehead. Yes. It'll be great. Excellent. Nobody can enjoy it, but people looking at me. We should make this a thing. If we get signed, ever get signed to a podcast network, you will get that tattooed on you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm going to put it right on my butt. All right. Maybe my thigh would be better. I'll figure it out. All 20 of you listening out there, I expect (laughs) you to hold her to this. (laughs) I would like to put an... There is a verbal asterisk. (laughs) Yes, there is. It will be someplace on my body. There we go. (laughs) So Madame Vorna then tells her that she's going to get married to a man. A very big man. A large man. large man will walk into your life. Yes, and this man has no money yet. Not yet. Not yet. And Kathy is more concerned about that. Do you you know her list? Her list? She made a whole list. (laughs) So she wants her husband to have Mm -hmm. the following. Okay. Big money. Mm -hmm. A yacht. Yes. A mansion. Mm -hmm. Furs. Mm -hmm. Diamond rings. Mm -hmm. Mink coats. Mm -hmm. And eventually love is added onto that list because Madame Vorna's like, what about love? Wow, I really went about things totally wrong. And I started with the love part. I'm going to have to get on Steven about the yacht and the mink. Well, I don't like fur. No, Um, it doesn't even feel nice. I'm not into diamonds either because the whole blood diamond thing. But at least some nice jewelry would be nice. Yeah, but then Um, you can't lose it. Yeah. I know who you are. Yeah, there's a reason why my (laughs) engagement ring is a uh, cost $25 and is moonstone. Because I lose shit. And also, it changes every week which ring you're using. It honestly depends on what ring I I find I just like to have you one. (laughs) I don't. And uh, yeah, yeah, I went about this totally wrong. The other thing, I'm always confused when people have big money. Mm -hmm. Why would you want a mansion that's more places for a murderer to hide and eventually kill you? Right. I think when money goes to people's heads and they buy the big shit, I'm like, it's just like a big target on your back saying, murder me, Mm -hmm. rob me, rob me and murder me. Why not both? (laughs) So Madame Vorna then emphasizes that this man will eventually come into money and then die a violent death. Violently violent. Emphasis on the violent. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous how violent this death is. So then we cut to Kathy at her new job. Surprise! It's a burlesque club. Oh, look, we are well versed in this. Yeah, this is like, seriously, this episode might be like two hours long because we can talk about this. So when I initially didn't realize this was the 1950s, I was 
very confused because it you see a woman wearing pasties with tassels, which that's a rant for a minute mm-hmm. later. And she's just kind of doing burlesque dancing I and mean, has like a, a vintage E look. And I was very confused because by the 80s, burlesque had evolved into basically what we now consider exotic dancing. Right. And I mean, it was full nudity and stuff. So I was like very confused. I was like, is this like a, is this a weird throwback club or something? I was super, super, super confused. One of these dancers has a feather boa. Mm-hmm. And my main takeaway was, how the fuck is your feather boa not molting on stage? Right. What is your secret, ma'am? Right. I will give them cred for this. What they show of burlesque in the 1950s was a very lazy interpretation, but I'll at least give them credit because it was semi in the right feel. Burlesque by that point had evolved. I didn't write down who said it, but someone quoted it as the decline of burlesque because by that point vaudeville wasn't a thing. The comedians had gone out mostly and the girls were, the emphasis was more on the girls and the striptease and the, the shimmy shimmy shaky shaky shaky. The which dancer I'm like, they started with was real good at the pasty twirling though. Yeah. Her tassels were going. They yes. Were, yes. So the bar owner is really friendly. He's also doubling as the MC and he's like, give it up and welcoming our new waitress. If you're warm and generous to her, maybe she'll be warm and generous to you. (laughs) I liked that. And this is the part where I also went down a rabbit hole. And Mm -hmm. again, now that you mentioned this episode is supposed to be in the 1950s, this next bit makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. So he introduces Miss Nude Nebraska, 1948, (laughs) Miss Aura Lee. So yeah, Miss Nude Nebraska, 1948 comes on stage and she doesn't look like a little old woman like I would have imagined if this was the 80s. So now that you mentioned this episode is supposed to be in the 50s, that makes sense. Miss Nude Nebraska. Um, I also wow. tried to look up if that was a real person because I thought that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. And all I was getting was porn sites. <laughs> but whoever this fake Miss Nude Alaska Miss Orly was had a very cute robe on. Yes, she did. And then we see the large man. We eventually find out that the large man's name is Charlie, and I would just rather call him Charlie rather than the large man the entire time. We can pretend. We can skip some scenes real quick and just go with it. We're going to go with Charlie, mostly because the second he enters, the fat shaming begins. Kathy, you bitch. Oh my god. The fat phobia and fat shaming is just like, it's so cringe. And they really went all out making Charlie, who is played by Jeffrey Tambor, look gross. And I don't mean gross as in fat. I mean gross as in like greasy. You could see the grease. You could smell him. Yes. Yes. They made, they just made him look sloppy and greasy and dirty and like, you know, and a lot of just very upsetting. Somebody that you do not want to interact with for more than five minutes. Yes, correct. Correct. So there was a lot to play on. She didn't have to constantly harp on his weight, which she does Mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the the episode. Yeah. So she has to serve Charlie and he proceeds to ask her out. Multiple times. He does not take no for an answer. And it's actually a little uncomfortable on his part. Extremely. She, I mean, she declines every time very rudely but you know what it's valid because waitresses aren't your rent-a-girlfriend mm-hmm. they're being nice to you because it's their job <laughs> just give her your drink order yep tell her what you want what you really really, really want. want so kathy realizes that this is the man that madame vorna had told her about you can only imagine how excited she is that she found her future husband no no, 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 no. She, you can see it in her face how it just drops when it clicks. Yeah. And she just leaves. She's she horrified. Runs. Yes, horrified. To be fair, he was begging her to go out with him and it was so uncomfortable and creepy. He cornered her at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, don't do that. Just, just don't. Just go, just go away. Impressionable, impression, any impressionable people out there. Don't do that to anyone ever. So Kathy runs into Madame Vorna's place, which not only was rude, but like Madame Vorna was having such a nice, quiet evening. Right. Complete with face mask and bunny slippers. Right. Like she's like, dude, it's my off hours. Although Madame Vorna, lock the goddamn door. Madame Vorna is able to confirm that he is indeed the man she is going to marry. 
Ooh. Romance is in the air. More like contempt with a little bit of money hungry is in it, the air. Throw some lavender essential oil on it. There You'll we be go. fine. Going forward mm-hmm. as HR, I mm-hmm. have a brilliant idea for you inspired okay. by Trotsky the dog. Okay. Anytime somebody comes into your office having a bad day, offer them an animal cracker. Trotsky swears by them. <laughs> And I love that dog. It really made me think. I'm like, are those actually animal crackers, or is she giving her a dog biscuit that looks like an animal cracker? I think it was an actual <laughs> animal cracker. And if you don't think I'm gonna go to the dollar store tomorrow during work and get like a thing of the frosted yes. animal crackers, because I think they have the Halloween ones right now. Oh, that's awesome. I will even share with you. Excellent. I do love good animal cracker. Next, we cut to Kathy talking it over with her gal pal Sally. And together they proceed to further fat shame Charlie and fantasize about his violent death. I will say, I really liked the background music here. Right? Yeah. It was lovely. It was. Criticize Charlie for being a creep, but don't make fun of his weight. It's just, Kathy. You can do better than that, Kathy. Yes. Granted, it was the 50s. They weren't as conscientious about, you know, being nice to people over things that they have no control over, like their weight. Are people any better nowadays? Just uh, wondering. No. Asking for a friend. <laughs> no, no. People are horrible. <laughs> Humanity. I double check and confirm. <laughs> Humanity is horrible. We're all terrible. Yep. Humanity. The aliens need to hurry up and finish us off. Right? That was dark. I'm only 30% sorry. Yeah, and their, their fantasies about his death. It started as a gentle theorizing, and then it turned into full-on fantasizing and laughing over the ways they think this man is going to die, and it's very uncomfortable. So they thought he was going to get like a hit and run accident and then a second hit and run, but with like a semi truck or something. Because of his size. Mm-hmm. Rude. And then there was that gross um, that he was going to choke to death. Food. Yeah. Yeah. And it was gross. I also have that fear because I only have two roommates <laughs> that are useless. Yeah, they don't have opposable thumbs. They don't. They're, they don't even pay rent. Bastards. So I know that if something happens and I start choking, I'm I'm dead. Yeah. And you're going to find my body and it's going to be half eaten. To be fair, the smell will probably clue me in not to open the door. Maybe. I'm assuming. <laughs> we have dark conversations. So it's another night at the burlesque bar. That means it's another night for Charlie to woo Kathy. Whoa. Bless this man for trying. But his like version of wooing is just just repulsive as fuck. Yes. I wrote down here, if at first you don't succeed, just slowly break her spirit and exhaust her until she says yes. Huh. You know, I think that worked on me once. So Charlie is trying so hard to get her to go out to dinner and dancing. Quote, the works. And eventually she's just like, fuck it. Let's go. Yep. Let's do it. That That's some enthusiastic consent if I ever heard some. But to make it worse, she didn't even know his name until this moment. Nope. Nope. He says, you're dating Mr. Charlie Marneau, and I'm pleased to meet you. I actually really liked how he said that. And I yeah. think if I ever find somebody out in the wild that I want to uh, take on a date, mm-hmm. I might have to use that line. There you go. He does promise her a movie, dinner and dancing. So they go to a movie. I looked it up. It is the French version of Beauty and the Beast from 1946. I love it. He also has two giant buckets of popcorn. Yeah, so look how creative another fat joke. Uh, Yeah, because of course he has both extra large buckets all to himself. Oh boy. And then Charlie whisks her off to dinner at a Chinese restaurant. Oh look, another fat joke. Just look at how much Charlie's eating. It's so funny. It's such a knee slapper. Ah, and then they go salsa dancing at what looks like a disco place. I wonder if they were purposely trying to make this episode like multiple eras. Right, like what time period is this supposed to be? <laughs> then they manage to sneak in one more kind of fat joke because he steps on her feet. You know, because he's such a big guy. Oh, he crushes her feet. Har, 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 har. See, I don't know if that was necessarily a fat joke that time or if it was just... He just doesn't know how yeah, to dance. Yeah, he's a bad dancer. He's just a bad dancer. Yeah. Just figure, make it three. 
That, there you go. Rule of three. <laughs> yeah, rule works. of three. <laughs> it works out. At the end of their date, he takes her home and somehow manages to get a kiss. It's, she was not into it. No, he kind of forces it and he gets real passionate and Ooh. it's uncomfortable. And once inside, she pukes. I'm so glad he didn't notice. I, I honestly couldn't, like, couldn't blame her. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Charlie, 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 Charlie. You have a lot to learn, sir. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing there's some sort of, like, time been a couple of days between the next scene and this one unknown amount of time has passed and we're back at the club and i mean like you don't know is it the next day is it a month from now you have no idea which makes what happens next a little like concerning Mm -hmm. i'm hoping it's at least a month we can hope Yes, so we're back at the club and Charlie is yakking to a very bored Kathy about his new suit. Looks very nice. It's yes. very Charlie Marno. Yes. And like randomly, he proposes to her. And she is a little logical. Like, yes, she is playing the long game yes. of wanting to know like who would take care of us if something happened. She, she raises some valid concerns at mm-hmm. first, but she's really just trying to confirm that he is indeed the man that Madame Vorna had told her about. But she does agree to marry him because Charlie reveals that he has a rich uncle. She goes all in when she hears about that rich uncle. Mm-hmm, that's the one family member she needed. Cut to their wedding. Can we talk about her wedding look? I really liked it. I love that feather. Yeah, super fierce. Which again, now that it was the 50s, her look makes a lot more sense. But yeah, totally screenshotting that and putting it in my little like wedding lookbook. Yeah, I really liked her look and they were getting married in a courthouse. I'm getting married in a courthouse. It's a way to do it. Yeah, totally. Uh, It was kind of ominous sounding though when the justice of the peace says, till death do you part. And she's just like, yep, till (laughs) death do us part. (laughs) Cue the thunderbolts in the background. Oh, and then we have my probably least favorite moment of the episode, the wedding night. Okay, listen, I'm not a very active person, if you will, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Charlie would be pretty good at certain activities. If you know what I mean. You can't judge a book by its cover. That's for sure. I'm just saying he wouldn't suck at oral. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> but holy non-consensual vibes. Oh, yeah. Batman. No, not into it. Yeah, she was clearly sending very clear signals that she did not want to be sexual. And he was sending very clear signals that he was expecting that to happen. If you ever want to know what people mean when they say, get enthusiastic consent from your partner before engaging in sexual activity, just watch this episode and do the opposite. Oh, yes. She's very clearly sending the vibes of, I don't want to do this. I don't know about you, but if I were laying next to someone that was so clearly, even mildly sending me that I don't really want to be here doing this vibes, instantaneous turnoff. Read the room, sir. Yes. Read the room. Yes. Very uncomfortable moment. Then we cut to an interesting motif. I loved this part. I, I really liked it. I mean, it was depressing, but also I really loved it mm-hmm. um, from a filmmaking standpoint. We're cutting between a fantasy sequence where they're in like a like a ballroom and they're dressed all fancy. She's in a beautiful gown and they're- Oh, and it's a really, really nice blue. Yes. And they're gracefully dancing with each other. And that is intercut with- Wedded bliss. <laughs> A.K.A. her new miserable life as Charlie's wife and slave. So for breakfast, this was my favorite segment portion of Mm -hmm. this scene. And it's when they're in the kitchen and she's making him breakfast. Mm -hmm. For breakfast, he had cornflakes, ham and eggs, and dessert for breakfast. I think Charlie is a hobbit. (laughs) I mean, listen, Charlie, get yours. I mean, yeah, like, Charlie, I agree. If you can have a three-course meal and second breakfast all at once, Mm -hmm. I support these choices, especially because I'm pretty sure that dessert was just a plate of donuts and cinnamon rolls. that's awesome. Like, Charlie is, like, living my fantasy life right there. Still think he's a creep, but he's living my fantasy life Mm -hmm. right there. I wish I could pack it away like that without feeling like I'm going to die afterwards. Yeah, just give me a stomachache. Like, I want to brush my teeth. 
Yeah. That was too much sugar. Yeah. My most favorite of the intercut scenes would be when she's doing laundry and he brings oh her his underpants. And you can just tell that it is, it's not good. No. It's not good. Like, I'm not going to call up my fiance uh, <laughs> Except you too are. harshly. We take turns doing laundry, but whew, that man sucks. That, those are the, those are the, he, he's well aware. Baby, I love you. I love you. You know, I love you. Stinky feet and all. Oh, he is, he's, put that in your <laughs> yes, right. And that would, yep, that's totally going in the mouth. <laughs> he works a very physical job in work boots. So his feet get very, very, very stinky. And oh, sometimes when I'm like, I'm doing laundry and he like tosses some stinky socks into the basket and they like land right in your face. And I'm like, oh God, no, no, oh, no, 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 I'm going to die. Oh, fuck. So the music abruptly stops when Kathy announces that she has a headache and they're back in the bedroom yep clearly this is a typical uh night for them yes Um, he claims he's got the cure no need to take that aspirin tries offering her an extra dose of charlie marno no no thank you No. no listen if your partner says they have a headache Leave them alone. Let them be. Because either they actually have a headache. Bring them water and Be aspirin. empathetic. Yes. Be empathetic. Or they're very politely trying to say, I'm not in the mood. Which, I mean, I'd like to think in modern times we've moved beyond that. But, you know, humanity just repeatedly disappoints me over and over yep. again. So. Yep. <laughs> we can keep hoping. Just wanted, I have a little note here that says, note, my absolute disgust over this and Charlie has nothing to do with his size and has everything to do with the zero fucks he gives about the consent and boundaries of his wife. Right. He thinks just because they're married, that yes. means it's okay. And it's not. Kathy decides to ask about the uncle and Charlie's like, I don't know. He's probably busy out west with his family. Bum, bum, bum. And this is after three months of misery. Oh, I mean marriage. <laughs> that she finds this earth-shattering revelation. He's never going to be the heir to his uncle's fortune. You know what, Kathy? This is why you don't rush into things. This is why you get a prenup. Campers. 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 Even if you're marrying someone for the money, make sure you get to know a little bit about them. Do some Googling. At least ensure there's actually money to be had. So back at Madame Vorna's, Kathy is screaming and continuing to freak out at her. And Madame Vorna is super chill. Like, she's just working out, being super nonchalant, like they're best friends about Kathy's mood. And she's reminding her, like, Charlie will inherit the money and then he'll die. You just gotta wait it out, dude. So while at the Hudson Automat, Kathy gets swarmed. She's the one millionth customer. She's won one million dollars! This is a shit ton of money! In 1950? I did not do the math, but we're just gonna go with it's a shit ton of money. We're gonna just say that it's like in modern money, it's two million dollars. Okay, Dr. Evil. Right, yeah. Um, If somebody wants us to correct us in the comments, we'll do a corrections corner. So yeah, the store manager and a camera crew show up and they're congratulating her and her husband on the prize money. And I'm a little sad we didn't get a shopping spree montage. She had a lot of goodies. Yeah, she eventually makes her way home slightly less than a million dollars richer based on all the shopping bags and she had a really cute ensemble on it was like a gold taffeta pencil dress i think and like a nice overcoat yeah it was it was super 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 1950s which again is what confused the crap out of me because the costuming like was like eh, half-assedly barely 50 kind of 80s version of 50s and then sometimes like super authentic her look was never super 50s and like her makeup her hair and all that stuff it's very confusing it reminds me of when my middle school would have sock hops (laughs) so yeah everybody trying to dress what they thought the 50s was like yes in the 90s exactly was this episode so ooh, now that she's got money she ripped into Charlie. She fucked up here. 
She could have played it. She could have waited. Oh my or just God. left in the middle of the day or never come back. A- anything she had was probably replaceable. Right? Like, listen. Leave in the night. They'll never suspect a thing. No. Nope. She has to reveal her hand and tell him how she doesn't need him anymore. She is rich, biatch. <laughs> She's insulting him. She's not holding anything back. Like, I kind of feel bad for Charlie right now because he's having a little bit of a breakdown. As one would if your spouse leaves you, but in the process of leaving you proceeds to tell you what a disgusting creature you are. Like, again, they're both equally kind of terrible people. Charlie's a creep who doesn't understand the meaning of consent, and Cassie's a raging bitch. He has no in his last name, and he still doesn't get it. (laughs) Marno! Charlie! But yeah, I did feel kind of bad because again call him out on being a creep call him out on being a A slob slob. but just digging into him because he's fat and you don't find him attractive and just tearing him down about how you never loved him like that i'm like that's low bro Mm -hmm. that's low charlie tries to stop her reminds her that they love each other and kathy isn't here for this she tells Mm -mm. him to eat a salad which we have already called out the amount of fat shaming in this episode yep we're gonna do it again though yeah yeah. don't be a fat shamer and next he says, if I can't have you, nobody can. And he grabs that knife and he starts stabbing her. She's trying to calm him down to make him stop. But girl, no, you should have thought that through. Yep. Now, had he just snapped and stabbed her in a rage, I'd be like, yeah, that's valid. I mean, ish. I mean, don't, don't. Don't stab your partners. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. But, you know, it, like it would be like, oh, heat of passion, blah, blah, blah. But then when he had to pull the, if I can't have you, nobody can. Ew. Gross. Charlie, disgusting. Why? Why? Don't don't say that to anyone ever. Anyone listening, please, for the love of God, don't. Don't, s- don't murder people is I mean, also the takeaway. Yeah, don't, don't murder people and just never utter those words. If I can't have you, nobody can. People aren't objects. I will say the rest of this episode is kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, once you get beyond the whole, like, stabbing her to death part. Yeah, then it's totally chill. Yeah. Yeah. So cue more fat jokes, because it is revealed by a TV reporter that upon his wife's death, Charlie inherited her fortune. And then, unfortunately, he died a violent death via the electric chair. But not before they get in a nice jab about his final meal being the biggest one ever served. I am so curious on what that meal was. I'm sure there was some Chinese food involved. I think that was like the theme yeah. of the food portion of the episode. Yeah. I'm going to say Charlie and I really vibe, like on food preferences, like Charlie and I really vibed there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to like date, date Charlie, but if he was going to buy me food, I'm pretty fine with that idea. Listen, if he had a better personality and wasn't like dripping in grease like they made him, I don't know. Like, Charlie, let's talk, bro. And let's I don't want to say that she could have fixed him, but I feel like. Like she could have assisted a she little. She could have helped in his hygiene and all that. If it worked with Debbie and Uncle Fester. Right. <laughs> Although I would marry Uncle Fester as is. So then we're reminded Madame Vorna predicted that they would marry, he would come in money, and then he would die a violent death. The devil's in those darn details, Madame Vorna. And the story ends with another woman walking into Madame Vorna's place with Madame Vorna saying, the fee is $20. Pay in advance. (laughs) Just like that. Super clever. And we end with the Crypt Keeper still playing dress up, playing with his crystal ball, making little psychic puns, being just a little cutie patootie. So the Crypt Keeper predicts that we'll be back next week. He says, same time, same place, same station for another hideous lethal hall of horror, which I really like. And I'm (laughs) going to steal that and make it ours one day. That is my best friend Jenny over there on that side of the table. Hi, that's my lifelong best friend Taylor. Are you into ghosts, aliens, or murder? If you are, you are among friends because we love talking about terrible things too. It's why we started our podcast, A Little Bit Grim, where we would talk about the paranormal, true crime, folklore, conspiracies, cults, disasters, and every other heinous thing that could happen to a person. It's a little bit spooky with a little bit of comedy mixed in. Honestly, it's all just a little bit grim. And you can find us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And you can find us on all social media platforms by searching for a little bit grim. We'll see you there. Goodbye. Goodbye.
It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Who's That Goo? You know what I really like about Who's That Ghoul? What? I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I just have to sit here and be like, nope, I don't know who that is. Right. Nope. The director of this episode is Howard Deutsch, or Dutch, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, but he is the director of season one, episode four, Only Sin Deep, the guy who is married to Leah Thompson. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. yes. Okay. So I do remember that. Yes. So I want to just expand on his resume a little bit more from than what I did last time. Apparently, most recent work, uh, he's directed a few episodes of American Horror Story. The show or their new thing? The was... show. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, he's directed a few episodes of Empire and Young Sheldon. So oh. still very active and working. And when we get into the actors, you can tell this is a distinct difference between the first season and the second season season as you can tell they've gotten their footing there's a way more actors there's way more characters you, you could just tell the budget was a little bit bigger now the crypt keeper has his laugh now yes so there were a lot more actors so i kind of had to narrow it down to like main people or people with recognizable titles so if you were in this episode and i left you off my <laughs> apologies so first we have kathy played by demi moore uh demi how I love ya. <laughs> to me, one of her first major roles was on General Hospital from 82 to 84. Super huge soap in the 80s. Like, soaps were really big in the 80s, but General oh, Hospital... Oh, my grandma still watches it. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah, it was iconic in the 80s. And then, of course, she did St. Elmo's Fire in 85, and her career really started to explode. Not What's to up? backtrack, mm-hmm. but did you watch Port Charles? Port Charles, no. Port Charles was where General Hospital takes place, I think. There was like two story arcs involving vampires. It <laughs> no. was a good time. No, I did not. But then they got rid of Port Charles and they all merged onto General Hospital. Makes sense. So her career really exploded after St. Elmo's Fire in 85. And this episode was pretty early in her career. Like I said, this would have been probably filmed in 89. So she was still riding that wave. And she had done quite a few movies between St. Elmo's Fire and this episode. Of course, immediately after this episode aired, she went on to do Ghost. Even if you've never seen Ghost, you, <laughs> you know, know that scene. you know it's it's just so ingrained in popular culture. The pottery scene with her and Patrick Swayze. I know Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Yes, and Whoopi's in it. And she went on to do Indecent Proposal. Is that a Lifetime Movie Network movie? No. Okay, so fun fact, I've never seen this movie, and I really wanted to when I was a kid. So the trailer for Indecent Proposal was so incredibly scandalous because it's about a, a wealthy man who offers, I believe Woody Harrelson plays her husband, uh, he offers him like a million dollars for one night with his wife. Oh. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It looks super scandalous, and I wanted to see it so bad, and kind of forgot about it. I think I'm going to finally watch it. I'm an adult. Yeah. I'm a grown-up. I can handle it. Uh-huh. I can handle the dirty. She also did striptease. I yes. Don't, I don't know that. Oh, striptease. Yeah. Uh, I believe she's a single mom who ends up becoming an exotic dancer to pay for the court fees for her custody battle. It's my vague memory of it. I just remember she was hot. That's just all my little bisexual brain could remember from that. Uh, she was, yeah. She was also Esmeralda, the voice of Esmeralda in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Charlie's Angels full throttle where God, she's... She can kick our asses. Oh, she's a badass. She's... I mean, everyone's hot in that movie. Every Everyone... I mean, I guess Bernie Mac is kind of hot. He's got dad vibes. He's got dad vibes. He's funny. I'm pretty sure if he told me enough jokes, I'd be like, okay, hop, <laughs> hop in bed, Bernie. Come on, let's go. Um, and I would say the feather in her cap for her entire career. <clears throat> the voice of Dallas Grimes in Beavis and Butthead Do America. Nope. I was not a Beavis and Butthead household. Oh, yeah, my... My parents were weird about, like, I was basically allowed to watch almost anything, mm-hmm. with the exception of, I guess, a lot of Demi Moore movies. But yeah, because I had my parents didn't care. Yeah, no, no, no cares. So yes, I've 
I've seen that movie. Then we have Charlie, who is played by the iconic and kind of problematic Jeffrey Tambor. So Jeffrey uh, had a reoccurring role on The Ropers in the 80s. This is this is our second cast member from a Tales from the Crypt episode that was on The Ropers. I mean, Mrs. Roper herself oh. was in the season one finale. I did not realize even then that The Ropers came first and then Three's Company was a spinoff oh. of that. I thought it was the opposite. I didn't yeah. know they were so established. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, he did a ton of TV, like so much TV, like for most of the 80s and 90s. He was one of those, that guy, you know, yeah, you, could, that guy. you couldn't remember exactly what he was in or who or who he was in that particular movie. Like you, that guy, that guy. He was really funny in that thing. <laughs> that guy. Um, He was in lots of 90s classics like There's Something About Mary. Hmm. Really problematic in retrospect. Don't recommend revisiting that one. Really will ruin all your funny memories of it. Muppets from Space, Girl Interrupted, <laughs> the live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Remember, he was the mayor of Whoville. I really liked that version yeah, of it. Yeah, me too. But I also really just like Jim Carrey. Yeah. And eventually he landed his iconic roles in Arrested Development. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> and he is the voice of Len Drexler in Archer. I know I've seen Archer, but I don't know who that is. So I did want to acknowledge that he had the lead role in a show called Transparent, where he played a trans woman. Oh. Problematic. He was fired from that show due to allegations of sexual harassment. Oh. Both by, uh, I believe, someone on that show and then several people that have worked with him in the past came forward with allegations of sexual harassment. Uh, His stance on it was that he could be an asshole at times, but that he didn't sexually harass anybody. So that was the iconic and problematic Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, boy. Yep. Next, we move on to Madame Vorna. (laughs) I should have let Google try to show me how to pronounce this name. So my apologies. I'm going to do my best. As someone with a difficult to pronounce legal first name, I my deepest sympathies go out to this actress. Her name is Natalia Nagulich. Ooh, as you said it. Yes. I I hope you're right. I I hope so, because she's gorgeous. That's a beautiful name. She's known by my fellow Trekkies admirable as an admiral on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. She should be well known by soap fans as Ingrid Mitchell from Days of Our Lives. Ooh, another soap star. Yes, I used to watch that one back in the day, back in like high school. I was hooked on Days. This woman's resume exhausts me. Yeah? She... Like goals? Like, I don't know how she finds the energy in her entire life to do all the things she's done. One, she speaks five languages. Holy God. Yes. She is an author, a professor. She has done so much TV, I literally couldn't even get through it to just try to pull some things out of it because she's just done so much. So, yeah, my my biggest kudos to her for living the dream, for being a working actor and clearly working her ass off. Um, So not to get sad or dark or anything, but is she still alive? She's still alive. Oh, cool. Everyone I looked at is still alive. Oh, wow. Yes. Her most recent role is Berta in The Abomination that is Fuller House. God, that's a terrible show. I tried. I, I, I watched tried. about a quarter of the first episode and went, I, I no, no. Uh, but her little fun fact, you know I get so excited when I see CBS after school specials or Ooh, school break specials. <laughs> yes, she was in the CBS school break special in 1989 called Words to Live By. It's a story of two teenage boys who are suspended from school after distributing an underground newspaper. That sounds kind of cool, though. Yeah. and it, it like a bad paper? Do you know? I don't, I don't know. I didn't really get into it. Apparently, it explores themes of teenagers and, you know, the First Amendment. I'm like, okay. okay. Uh, somebody with some interesting credits was Al, who played the bartender. He's played by Troy Evans. We see him again in season four. He's done a ton of TV. So much TV. <laughs> He's, again, one of those, that guy. You know you've seen him in something. He plays a lot of cops, but my personal favorite credit of his is from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He plays Antisocial Trucker. Beautiful. I love it. I swear. Someday I'll have a 
weird credit like that on my IMDb. It's a goal. I'll frame it. Sally, who was Kathy's friend, is played by Kate Hodge, and she herself so much TV. Like, kudos to these people for working that grind. But she does have some horror creds. She played Michelle in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Mm. and Randy, the werewolf, in She-Wolf of London. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It sounds delightful. It sounds kind of cheesy. It sounds like a weird take on American Werewolf in London. I I may have to look this up. She-Wolf of London. Then we have Mr. Clayton, who's played by Earl Bone. He's best known for his role as criminal psychologist Dr. Peter Silberman in the Terminator series. One through three. But again, my favorite cred was he is the voice of Senor Senior Senior in Kim Possible. Oh, I remember Kim Possible. That was a good show. Yes. That was cute. That cracked me up. Yes. He he has a lot of voice acting creds. And then our final who's that ghoul is... Is it the dog? Are you about to tell me about the dog? Sadly, no. So, stripper number two, that's how she's credited, is played by Tiffany Million, an adult film star and a wrestler for Glow. Oh my god, that's amazing. Right? Tiffany started with Glow as she played both Tiffany Million and Tiffany Mellon. She did a few small roles after Glow ended, and then she transitioned into adult films. Do it. Just merely a few years after doing this episode. I wonder if it inspired her. Maybe. She made a lot. Her credits were extensive, which I say, get that money, honey. Mm -hmm. Take it to the bank. She made her last adult film in 2002. And most recently, she was on the TV series, The Original Ladies of Wrestling, returning as Tiffany Mellon. But when I looked at her filmography for her adult film career, I love hokey porn titles. Like, love. Love, 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 love. I cannot get enough of them. I don't necessarily want to watch all of them, but I do love the titles. And I picked two of my favorites. The first one being Kittens for Bodybuilding Bitches. Nice. Yes. A lot of questions there, but I'm, I'm not going to ask them. And my... <laughs> because we had somebody... Uh, we had Demi Moore who was on General Hospital. We uh, have Tiffany Million who starred in Generally Horny Hospital. That's so creative. So- I... Love it. I love, <laughs> I love porn parodies. My God. Ugh. My favorite parody is a wet dream on Elm Street. It's so I love it. beautiful. Love it. I don't want to see what they did with Freddy. I, I... Oh, it, it's exactly what you think it would be. What his gloves are made out of. Okay. Yeah. But does he look the way? No. Like, okay. Thank God. No. He's to my knowledge. And I used to own it. And then I lost it behind the scenes at a festival. <laughs> I lost all of my movies and CDs that weekend. I was very upset. So somebody out there who took it from me, you're fucking welcome. So, Camp Counselor Tish. Yes. Did you like this episode? I did. Despite the undercurrent of fat phobia, it kind of fit with Kathy's character. Mm-hmm. She was a raging bitch. And, you know, Charlie was a creepy, creepy creep. <laughs> it was kind of nice. Like, they were both very unlikable, but at the same time, at moments, you kind of liked them. Like, I admired Kathy's spunk, her sass. Okay. I, I liked her strong spirit. I just kind of wish she was a little nicer sometimes. Yeah. Or just a little more point that sword in the right direction, lady. Loved Madame Vorna. Loved Madame Vorna. Yes. I would watch the Madame Vorna show. Like, oh my god. She was <laughs> If she fantastic. was a phone psychic, I would call her. Yes, absolutely. It was a well-written, well-directed. You could see, like I said, you, it was noticeably a little bit grander. You could tell, like, you know, they really gained the confidence of HBO. They gave them a little more money to work with. I think overall, it was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Aside, my only complaint is the fact that, aside from some vague clues it's just not very clear that this is supposed to be the 1950s, which makes it a yeah. little bit confusing. So I would give it two severed thumbs up. Dope. I already know how you feel about it. So. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like I said earlier, 
two severed thumbs up as well. One of my favorite things about it was like the transitioning between scenes. So when Kathy is leaving Madame Vorna's the first time, Trotsky the dog attacks her and you can see Kathy is like shaking off her feet and walking forwards. And when the camera pans back up, she's walking back into the office. I thought that was pretty clever. Charlie is unfortunately not great, but (laughs) neither is Kathy. I think all of the like burlesque at the strip club was pretty cool because like we get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still impressed by those task twirlings. I also really enjoyed Trotsky, the dog. I would say he and Madame Vorna were my favorite characters. Yes. Yes. I did enjoy the dog. So yeah. yeah two severed thumbs up from the first episode of season two. Dead right. Thank you for listening to Camp Creep Podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please leave us a review. Thank you, Steve O'Dockerson, for our fantastic theme music. <laughs> you can find us online at Camp Creep Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod. You can shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Hey, campers, we have another exciting announcement for you. Join us tomorrow on Friday, August 13th for Fearful Friday Spooky Slumber Party. We're going to have it on Instagram Live. You can find us there at Camp Creep Podcast. It's going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There will be a junk food taste test horror mad libs, and a dramatic reading of Slumber Party Horror, a horror short story written by our very own camp counselor, Tish, plus a special guest. Who do you think it's gonna be? Tune in and find out. And as always, campers, creep it real. real.